Welcome in, everybody. It's the BCJ Podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. Hi, Dave. Hey, Chad. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Yesterday was uh, 13 years of marriage with my lovely bride. We, uh, we went out to dinner, had uh, our first meal at a restaurant in four, four plus months, sat outside. It was uh, Naughty Pine on the Bayou, which is, which is Kelly's favorite. It was, it was fate, Dave. It's a very, very strong choice. They, they shut down at the beginning of quarantine, and their first day of business since they shut down was yesterday. So when, you know, Kelly's like, what are we going to have for our anniversary dinner? I was like, well, Naughty Pine opened yesterday. She's like, well, then we're going to Naughty Pine. Yeah. She, uh, she, she had, uh, I, why do we, uh, I'm going to start this with some food talk before we get well, into UC talk. You know, this is, this is where we excel, really. Why, as a society, do we not um, talk about how amazing sea bass is more often? Chilean sea bass is unbelievably good. Oh, for sure. But it, it like nobody ever talks about Chilean sea bass. Uh, I think you know it's underrated. People, it's maybe the most people, underrated food on the planet. People order what they know, what they're familiar with, with, and so if you go to a place and you know you're thinking about maybe getting that, you're like, ah, I don't know, I'll just get this because I know it's probably going to be good. Well, one, it's it's expensive uh, for good reason. It's it's not a it's not a cost efficient uh, option per se, but I got I got a I got a Cajun ribeye which was delightful, very good, cooked perfectly. Service was great. We had uh, spinach and artichoke wontons. Nice. So basically, spinach and artichoke ragoon. Yeah. For our appetizer, that was very good. But Kelly's sea bass was so good that I wanted to knock her over and steal her, her dish. I wished that I had ordered the sea bass. Should have got one to go. Should have. It was awesome. Could have had that for dinner awesome. tonight. It was insanely good. I just don't know why. I, I thought about that yesterday while we were sitting there. I'm like, why, why do people not talk about how good this is more often? Like, if given the choice between Chilean sea bass and lobster, I would take Chilean sea bass every time. Mm, I wouldn't, but I'm not a big lobster guy. It's good. I don't think it's great. No, it's, it's like, it, it's like I don't know the 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 flavor. It's like too buttery, or it depends. I, I mean, I don't know. I lived in Rhode Island for a while. I, I had a lot of lobster. Well, I mean, I probably <laughs> you probably had a different quality. It's like it's like why Kelly can't eat crab cakes here anymore. We went to the military bowl, uh, and uh, while we were there, we went to Baltimore one night, and Kelly got a crab cake in Baltimore, uh, an authentic, like, dive bar Maryland crab cake, and she was like, I can't eat crab cakes in Cincinnati ever again, because it was that good. So I assume, like, a Maine or Rhode Island lobster would, would maybe do that to you as well. Yes. Do, do you have, do you eat lobster around here, and do you go, eh, Um. I broiled some lobster for, um, was it Valentine's Day, maybe? I broiled lobster, or 
Our anniversary, I don't remember. All the days have run together over the last four months. But uh, a broiled lobster, grilled fillets, made mashed potatoes and cream spinach within the last, like, few months. Okay. It was good. I mean, I thought it turned out well. I just, I just, I think more people should talk about how good Seabass is. Well, maybe we should do a, a, um, you know, a podcast adjacent where we just talk about food. Like uh, my no laying up guys for for any of the golf fans out there, no laying up is kind of charged on the scene over the last couple of years. And they have a, a separate podcast called the trap draw where they very rarely talk about golf. So maybe you and I should start a BCJ adjacent podcast where we don't talk about sports. I mean, I've had people tell me I should be doing like food blogging. Um, podcasting is more my lane. So like I, I'm totally down with food podcasting. Yeah, I am too. I, I tried a new place on uh, on Saturday here in, or Sunday here in Northern Kentucky that was, that about, was really good. You can talk about beers, food. See, I, my, I'm, I'm a basic beer guy. Like I, I, I don't do, like but IPAs. I, but there's like levels, I guess. Like I don't yeah. get all into the craziness of it that you can get into, but uh, I am excited. We have plans next weekend on Friday to go to the 50 West Burger Bar. And oh, man. Pretty psyched oh, about that. Have you had it yet? No. Oh, buddy. Oh. So I'm hoping the, hoping the weather's good. We had it, I think, the second week it was open. It instantly jumped up into top five burgers in Cincinnati. Instant. I mean, it was awesome. Awesome. No free ads, though. So 50 West, if you're listening. <laughs> hey, I'm down for 50 West to be a sponsor because that, I mean, that great fries. They I have my shake. I know we've had Taft as a sponsor, but if we're just being totally honest, they have my favorite beer in the city. I am definitely a coast-to-coast fan. So, you know, if, if anyone out there is listening. And they have hooked us up. They hooked us up last year during football yeah. season. But, uh, you know, we're always – Looking for sponsorship opportunities. Well, I, I couldn't recommend the 50 West Burger Bar highly enough. Uh, that was really, really good. And that's, for, for me here in Independence, to get to the 50 West Burger Bar. It's, is, a bit of a, it's a bit of a haul. It's an adventure. It's definitely an adventure to get out there. But it was worth every penny. Okay. Every penny. Hopefully it's not storming. I don't really care how hot it is. but <laughs> Yeah. Well, We're, we got uh, that was uh, heart of quarantine, like the beginning. So it was um, actually maybe the easiest online ordering system I've ever experienced. And it was, whoever designed that thing, kudos. But it was uh, bang, bang, bang. Exactly. I think I, I ordered within like two minutes, the entire order for me, Kelly and Kelsey. And then you pull up and they just call your phone. <laughs> And let you know it's ready. You walk up to the table. There's the bag. Got your name on it. Boom. Out. It was highly, highly recommend for those of you out there if you haven't had the uh, the 50 West uh, burger bar. So we've gone 10 minutes on food already. Um, it's probably going to be more entertaining than anything we, else we have. <laughs> That's a preview of our soon-to-come uh, food podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll do um, – Instead of the two angry guys, maybe it's just the two husky guys or something. I, I don't hate it. <laughs> two, two fat guys. I'm sure somebody's got like the two fat guys podcast. 
Um, two Husky guys would be interesting. I also, we were, we were, I was talking with um, DJ Hodge from, from iHeart, the, the boss at iHeart, uh, on Twitter just tonight about um, Skyline. Have you ever had the Skyline in St. Bernard by chance? No, I've, no, definitely not. I don't really have, I don't travel to get my Skyline. Look, I just didn't know, maybe I, I've never had it. Jed Demusi from Channel 12 says the Skyline in St. Bernard serves a cheese coney that instead of a hot dog has a fried mozzarella stick. I don't, I mean, I'm sure it's fine. I, I would not be like, I'll have two cheese conies in one of those instead of three cheese conies. I think I, I need, I need to try it. One, because I don't know. Yeah, I would, I would definitely try it, but like, it doesn't, it isn't like a, oh my God, I got to get to St. Bernard so I can have one of those. I don't know how the mozzarella would hold up in a, in a cheese cone. I don't, might also, I mean, I've been this, I'm not the biggest Thailand fan. Like I, if you follow me on Twitter, we've talked about it in the past, like, I'm really only conies. I think the spaghetti stuff is sacrilegious. Um, I had a three-way like, tonight. Actually, I don't think I've ever hey, seen. Skyline. any – I don't think I've ever seen mozzarella sticks on the menu at any Skyline I've been to. Right. Right. Is that like I'm a secret them. a secret menu item that you need to like know about? So. I, I don't know. It's the first time I've ever heard of it. I mean, I've heard of like the alligator with the pickle in there. Instead of the hot dog. You've never heard of that? The alligator? No, that's even more weird. I don't like pickles. So, it's like I, I, I made um, my number one appetizer or like number one like um, cookout like snack is salami rolls. Yes. So, I made those for uh, Saturday when we went out to my sister's house to hang out for a little bit. And uh, somebody told me I, t- I put a picture on Twitter and somebody told me I should put a pickle inside the salami rolls. I'm like, well, I don't like pickles. So <laughs> so I'm probably not going to do that. <laughs> they were like, I guarantee you'll love it. And I was like, well, bad news for you. Yeah, after whatever odd years of not liking <laughs> them, this is the thing that's going to all of a sudden change my <laughs> stance on pickles. Salami rolls are awesome. Just salami and cream cheese, roll them up. Oh, yeah. I could eat a thousand of those things all right so uh good episode we'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks welcome in to the bcj that was the uh the 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 unauthorized you already already did the intro anyway i know i'm re-introing it now oh okay uh, like should i tell people when we post on twitter like if you want to skip the 15 minutes of food talk (laughs) you have a whole separate intro yeah, exactly. You don't feel like you missed anything. <laughs> Does this mean we have to go an hour and 15 minutes now because we did 15 minutes of food first? If we go an hour and 15 minutes, that means we will have rambled for about 30 minutes. Uh, well, I mean, we've already rambled for 15 No, I mean, food is not rambling. <laughs> People need to know. Hey, we've, we've given them some, some things to try out. Yeah, that's, that's the thing for me. I'm all about trying new stuff. Naughty Pine on the Bayou. Go there. 50 West, 50 West Burger Bar. Like, Salami I guarantee, rolls. I guarantee we have listeners that have not been to either of those places. Well, so. yeah, 50 West is pretty new. Yeah. 
Uh, Knotty Pine is not new, but it's it's hidden away in northern Kentucky, and a lot of people don't really know about it. Um, I did. Yeah, I saw Tabby there one time, the the cheerleading coach. Yeah, and she like we kind of looked at each other like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> no, long time family friend. Yes. Um. All right. So uh, you see, I know more about food right now than <laughs> I know about what's going on at UC, and yes. it's it's for certain. It's a bit frustrating. Um, there's not been a lot of uh, communication coming out of the athletic department here lately. Uh, for you know, since the the team has returned to campus, that's their prerogative, I suppose. Um, I don't agree with it necessarily, unless they want money. There's yeah, they'll they'll talk to you if they want money, but they won't tell you what's going on, um, even if you give them money. I'm going to try not to get on a soapbox on that one. Yeah, I'm trying not to get on a soapbox on this topic. Uh, so there, there hasn't been much come out. Uh, I, again, um, I think on that front, no news is good news because I, I think if there were shutdowns or if things were happening a, a, one way or another, we, we'd get wind of it, I believe. Maybe I'm wrong on that front. No, I, I think you're right, and I, I kind of feel the same way. I know we we kind of I mean as the main news gatherer of the site. I totally understand the way you're looking at it. Like we have members; they come to our site for info. It's our job to get it. I've never really been on that side of things, so the way I look at it is, if they don't want to tell us, for me personally. Fine, whatever. But we've seen so much of whether it's people bragging almost about how good they're doing or the opposite where we've seen several total programs, not necessarily football, but have to put a pause on their workouts. Like Ohio State, they just recently restarted theirs. Uh, I saw East Carolina, I think today or yesterday, put a pause on theirs. Um, so I just kind of take it as everything must be within whatever their parameters are. Like I find it hard to believe that no one will have tested positive, but there's got to be that, like, where is our risk level where we're not going to shut this whole thing down for one or two, but if it gets to whatever percentage of the people that are testing, then we need to pause it. So that, I mean, I guess we haven't gotten to that point, I'm assuming. I, I would agree with that. I, I think, you know, there there would be um, – if there was a sense that, you know, that it was potentially spreading or moving throughout the program, I, I think there would be a, a halt to things. And I think one way or another that would get out because people talk – there's still, still a lot of people that work in the Linder Center. There's still – a lot of people involved and around and in the football program, somebody would catch wind of something if activities were stopped. I know we had a rumor um, that hit last week that, that workouts had been halted. I made a couple calls and they were in the middle of a workout on Shakely Lawn, like at that moment, or at least that's what I was told. Um, when we're was not allowed. I, I totally missed that one. Late last week or something was, like that. Not, Somebody said on the, the board. I've, I've put a self 
a, a Twitter weekend ban the last couple of weekends, and it's been wonderful, actually. So. <laughs> hey, it's a good thing we're not verified. We were verified. Yeah, we, would, we could only be retweeting right now, apparently. So. Which, but, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of look back on our, I guess our last podcast was around the Two end weeks of, ago. The end of June, like June 24th, June 25th, something like that. And we were talking at that point about Clemson was the big story of, uh, oh, my God, all these cases. And then this week, they've basically said, we're totally good. We've kept testing. We've tested X hundreds and hundreds of people. And I think it was like under 10 or even like going through treatments and quarantine. And like, so it's like we've talked about with this thing the whole time. It's just what's news today might not be even close to relevant in two to three weeks. But at this point, we're now at the, um, you know, decision time or, or really, really close. I know certain conferences, and I think rightly, are putting these major, major decisions off as long as possible. I'm sure they're doing all their contingencies behind the scenes. Um, but I know, or I would hope, and this is part of a little bit of a contention that I have with the process in general is I would hope everyone is doing literally everything possible to play in the fall in some way, shape or form. Uh, what that is, I don't know. What I feel confident is that it's not going to be quote unquote normal, but can we do something? And that's why it seems that conference commissioners and other people were so, I don't know if I say mad or what the word was, but for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 to announce last week that they were already going to bag the non-conference schedule puts everybody else in a bad spot and almost forces something to happen before it maybe has to. And I'm still trying to understand what the benefit is for them. Oh, come on. You know what the benefit is. I know what the benefit is, but to have it, to having a, their, their, their reasonings are not valid because if it's so much easier to do a conference schedule, then you could have waited until the end of July to do that. You're not talking about the real reasoning then. You know what the the real real reasoning is? They're not paying $1.8 million to a Mac school to come play in front of no fans in Buckeye Stadium. Like, it's not happening. There's no chance. That is what this is about. This is about buy games and no fans in the stadium and the Big Ten going, we ain't responsible for propping your ass up if we ain't going to have butts in the seats come September. Because those those TV deals – don't include Ohio State versus Akron. No, but they're going to have their, – their teams in their own conference are going to have a hard enough time propping themselves up. Yeah, which is why they don't want to pay over a million dollars for a bye game for a, a, a patsy to come to town and get waxed 
when it, it's not going to do it, 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 it doesn't serve them any well, purpose. No, I, of course not. That's, that's, that's well, what this is about, why the Big Ten did that. That's just the, I guess, the bigger issue as a whole is that you have, even like college sports is just so unique. Even if, even if we're taking football and understanding that to play Major League Baseball or MLS or whatever, to, to, to then play the NFL, is, they're two totally different beasts. And with college football, I mean, you have a hundred and – I mean, if you really go down all the way into the every conference in the FBS, you have over a hundred teams. Just on the Power Five level, you have over 60. And they're, they're not playing on the same playing field, even though supposedly they are. No, of course not. So what's good for Ohio State and Penn State is not going to be good for – Rutgers, what's good for Oklahoma clearly is not going to be good for Iowa State. If anyone's read their AD's letter talking about if they don't play in the fall, they're going to be on the hook for roughly $40 million of expenses without any revenue. And that's, mm-hmm. that's Iowa State, who sells out every game, who is a major, major brand in Iowa, and is, and is still kind of in the middle of the road to the bottom half of the Big 12. I don't even want to think about G5, let alone everybody else besides the AAC. And I think that's the biggest problem we're going to see here is eventually everybody's going to be out for themselves. Well, and, that's college sports. Right. But that's it, how it's set up. That's how it's designed. Sure, but I mean, like, how are you going to? That's what I'm. That's what I'm afraid of is now that it's going to get pushed. The, the trying as hard as possible to have a season in the fall is not going to happen. I think they're going to punt because that's the cop out, and kick the can down the road and hope that things are better in the spring. Where I don't, I look at the spring as a terrible idea and I would be trying everything in my power to get some level of a season in the fall. Let's also be honest about, about some of this stuff. You know, who's making these decisions, right? Oh yeah. University presidents who are the most risk averse people in college sports. A large reason why is because university presidents are told what to do by lawyers. So, the lawyers aren't going to allow anything crazy to happen, for one. And two, the numbers are the numbers. What the numbers say is at some point, one of these students is going to be hooked up to a ventilator in ICU. Probably unlikely that one of them dies, but it's still out there and when that happens like it can't the the it's like spin the bottle it can't well it's the opposite of spin the bottle depending on who you got to kiss what spin the bottle are you playing in kentucky your cousin could be on the other side it's a little dangerous of a game you almost spit your drink out right there i almost got you um 
the, the, the wheel can't land on you. Like, it can't be you that allowed the 21-year-old with sickle cell to be knocking on death's door, right? right. Sure, but there's also zero it's, guarantee it's, that that's different in six months. I'm not saying it will be different in six months. Right. I'm saying that's what they're dealing with right now. The spring thing, I know you're, you're completely anti-spring. I'm not in love with it, but the spring thing is nothing more than if we can't do it in the fall, then maybe we can try in the spring. That's all that is. Now, nobody wants to play in the spring. Oh, I'm not saying – no, of course not. I just – It's like wearing a mask. Nobody wants – I'll go on a mask rant for a second. Oh, here we go. Lock it in. Nobody wants to wear a mask. I don't want to wear a mask. I'm fat. Like, it's not great for me. I'm fat and I'm out of shape. A mask isn't uh, ideal. I don't like it. But I wear it. Because that's what we need to do. Nobody wants to play college football in the spring. It's not a good idea for anyone. But it also might be the only avenue we have to getting college football in the 2021 2020 2021 school year so they're going to look into it right because as we just talked about they're going to have to figure out a way to recoup some of this money somehow sure and i don't i'm not saying like i'm blindly disregarding it like i've given it a decent amount of thought and instantly i've come up with several issues that and Wade, I mean, I know the, the hot one is like, oh, well, none of the top players will play. And that's like way down on the list of things that came to my mind initially. Did you read the article on The Athletic today? I did not. I heard about it, but I did not. Okay. I thought it was interesting. I mean, they, they hypothesized that it would basically cost the sport around 50 to 100. I would tend to lean more towards 100. 50 to 100 of the top players in college football would sit out if there was there was a, a spring season. I I mean, if we're just looking at it from a next-level NFL draft type thing, then that's, you're talking about three rounds worth of players. I don't know if I see that. Um, well, th- there was a good point about, about that on there, Dave, um, that if you went back to, like, this time last year, to the, the first-round mocks, like how they sure. looked. Half of those guys fell to at least the second and sometimes the third and fourth rounds. Oh, yeah. If I'm, if I'm a projected first or second-round pick, I ain't playing. Well, like, here's I'm, the I'm th- not I'm – not, your, your draft stock isn't improving that much. Here's the thing, though. The, the NFL teams, I think, would be more willing and put more pressure on the league to move the draft. Yeah. Because they can't draft guys without seeing them play. Like, that's, I agree great, that's great that you can – that maybe Trevor Lawrence won't play or Justin Fields. But, like, the vast majority of those first three-round guys, they need a season. They can't just train from, what, basically now until April and think that, they're, that some team's going to go, oh, yeah, let's take him with the fifth pick. Like, so – I think this whole idea of all these guys are going to sit out because the NFL won't move the draft. I think if it really came down to it and the college football season, whether it was eight games, 10 games, whatever, would overlap what is normally the draft. I, 
I, I can't even imagine the teams in the league wouldn't be like, okay, we'll move the draft because it's more important to us to be drafting the right players. Like, it, it doesn't benefit the NFL at all to keep the draft where it is if they haven't seen these guys play for an entire year. I mean, that's fair. And so, yes, there would definitely be more players than normal that would not play. But I still think the flip side of that is what about the guy that is maybe got a draft grade of the third or fourth round and plays and has a great season. And because he plays, he now elevates himself to the second or first round because all these other guys didn't play and the teams are nervous to draft the guy that hasn't played football in a year. Yeah. I mean, there's two, there's two sides to every story. Right. But that's not even my, like, my biggest one is I don't know how it works timing wise, where you then feel confident to have a 2021 season start the first week of September. Well, the, the athletic article today mentioned that if it was in the spring, um, they saw no way that it would be 12 games and more likely that it would be like eight conference games is what you would play. So exactly what we're trying to do in the fall. No, they're trying to do 10 to 10 games or or more and with conference only. Well, I mean, I think when it comes down to it, it will just be eight to 10 in the fall if they even try to do that. Yeah. Um, the, the most interesting thing I've seen is the split where you play six to eight games in the fall and then come back and play four to six games in the spring. Right. Um, some of what I've seen include, and that's, that's one of the reasons I do think why, why you go conference only, because then you can control all of that. You're not dealing with anybody else. Sure. Um, you're not dealing with outside influences and, and scheduling nightmares. You're, you're in control of everything. And I know that, um, like, initially that seemed like this whole idea of everyone is so fearful of starting and then stopping. I'm like, that's kind of where we are. Like, I feel like we get sometimes we as a collective, like we get we lose sight of what is really going on and what is important. It's like the whole thing with the NFL when they said they're not going to let players do the jersey swaps after the games, and everyone went into an uproar. I'm like, what's more important, playing the game right, or right. being told, sorry guys, this year because of these crazy circumstances. We're not going to allow you to do a jersey swap on the field after the game. Like, figure out another okay. way to get to get your buddy's right. jersey. So it's like in college, it's like, guess what? If a team can't play a week, we'll figure it out. Like, all these other leagues are, you know, I'll use golf as the perfect example. Now, the sports are not the same. I can hear whatever's in your background big time. There you go. Um, I, UF, the, the UFC thing was on I guess it got they went to a live shot that got really loud I forgot oh. to mute my TV but uh, my but like golf started out saying if you test positive you are out that week and they have since amended that to where if you test positive and you have no symptoms and then you test negative two days in a row and still have no symptoms then you can play and I, they have not had any positive tests the last two weeks, whether it be player, caddy, anything. And sometimes I feel like we're still trying to have this, like, perfect scenario instead of going, okay, how do we play? Like, everybody got all mad about 
all the baseball protocol and they're, they can't spit. Well, yeah, that's in the book, but there, no one's going to be like, oh, you're out five games because we saw you spit out in left field with no one within 40 yards of you. So what is important here? Is it important to just everybody like we've talked about with masks, suck it up, figure it out, and we'll try to have a season in the fall the best we can. If it, if it can't happen, it can't happen. Like, I mean, if, if people are still testing outrageously at the end of September when you could get an eight-game season in, then you don't do it. And I know you probably have to make a decision prior to that. Well, that's the problem. A decision has to be made minimum five weeks before you would start a season. Right. You're going to need at least a month of training camp and then a week to prepare for that regular season game, right? Oh, for sure. So whenever, we, whenever a decision is made, if a decision is made that the games are going to be played in the fall, I don't think that's going to happen. So, um, But we have to talk either. about I, all possibilities. I don't think we're getting football in the fall. I don't either because I think the Big, Ten, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 started the domino uh, by saying we're not playing conference games. Um, non-conference. Or non-conference games. I think that kind of started started it all. Although, I am holding out hope that my alma mater conference just says, you know what? We don't really care. We're going to play eight or ten games in the fall, and you guys deal with the fall out of that. I mean, but the flip side, the SEC commissioner is the one that's been the loudest on we're probably not going to play. Yeah. But so I, I was I was of the same belief as you that no matter what happens, the SEC was like, look, we we play it. But then their commissioner comes out and is like, I don't really see a, a path to to get us on the field. No. I it's 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 a very hard situation. I sometimes feel and maybe not rightly, because I mean we're not hearing from very many of the people that are really, really making these decisions, and that's fine. But it almost seems when you, hear, when you do hear from some of them that they're almost already, like, resigned to the fact and not even really trying and not giving, in my opinion, giving players and coaches and staff enough credit for how flexible they can be and – and trying to do whatever is possible to get, I don't know, whether it's six games. Like, this is not a normal year. Baseball is playing 60 games. The NBA, I don't don't even know how many games, what their whole setup is. Like, MLS is just having a tournament. So if you play six games and the 2020 season was a six-game season, and and that's what you do. Like, just, you know, nothing is normal. Nothing is close to normal. But don't give like don't give up in the first week of July when if you did go to a six or eight game schedule, you could start in October. And yeah. just like we've seen with schools having wild test numbers three weeks ago that now seem totally fine, like you know the the trends don't seem great, but I mean I'm not, I wouldn't rule out playing at the end of September or October now based on what happened three weeks ago. So, I don't know. I, mean, I don't want to get on a tangent on it. Like, I just I – Yeah, but like I said, the, 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 the legit problem is 
if you're going to green light this, you have to see five weeks into the future. And right now, the outlook for five weeks into the future is terrible. That might not be where we're at five weeks from now because five weeks ago, it looked like we might be coming down the other side of the mountain. As a society, we decided to stay at the top of the mountain, which is not how handling a global pandemic is supposed to work. Um, We didn't flatten the curve. We flattened the peak. And looking at things from from the lens of the decisions we make now don't go into effect for six more weeks when the season starts. Right. I think that's where, that's where the hang up. I think that's where everybody right now is looking at this thing and saying, we have to predict where things are in five weeks and five weeks from now doesn't look good because it's very hard. You're basically saying you're, you're weighing, we, we kind of know versus we might like, we kind of know where we'll be in six weeks and we might know where we'll be in six months. So, you know, I don't know. It's, well, I, here's a perfect example. And it, so it was five, six weeks ago that the NBA decided to, to have their bubble in Orlando at Disney World. And six weeks later, Orlando is like, like the top three worst places on the planet to be right now. And they're stuck with that decision. They're stuck with that virus running around everywhere outside the bubble. Yeah, which I think you look at that and you go, well, that's not great. <laughs> that's 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 the effect of making decisions for something that is six weeks out that you have no idea what, where things are going to be. No, and and if and here, you know, I talked about this a lot on radio. For me, the biggest decision, like the biggest difference in college, is. The players have no representation. They have nobody fighting for them. I, I know the, the school presidents are supposed to be. Um, and I think some will. I think some will say, look, we can't operate if we don't get this TV money. So we need to play. Well, and I don't – yeah, I don't want to make it sound like I'm like, just play, who cares if something happens. That's not the no, case. No, I know you're not. Um. It's just – it's such a different animal because even on the P5 versus G5 level, I know the big – a lot of the – some of the talk has been about, like, testing. And obviously, an Alabama can test way more frequently if they want compared to a Southern Miss. Um, you know, so it, there's all sorts of different things that – the other sports don't have to deal with because one, like you said, there's no representation for the players. Two, there's just way more teams to, to try to figure this out with. I mean, right? There's twice as many Power Five teams as there is in any pro sport, and that's only half of college football. Um. So I th- I think certain leagues are going to make the decision that is best for them, uh, as like, they should. Right. And I'm not saying that, they, that everybody is going to be in lockstep because that's not realistic. What's good for the SEC is definitely not good for the Sun Belt. Uh, and, you know, 
Justin Williams from The Athletic did a piece last week, um, you know, talking to the AD at Miami about it. And he seemed like, I think if he could have like signed to play in the spring at that very moment, he would have done it. Talking about, well, if we could have games in the spring at 80% capacity, and that made me laugh because I thought, when was the last time a Miami football game was <laughs> near 80% capacity? So what does it matter to you when the game is played? You could operate at 30% capacity just fine, sir. Yeah, but, it, I mean, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm fully committing – I shouldn't say committed because I'm not committed. I'm fully committed to playing in the fall at whatever with whatever that looks like. But I'm fully um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Resolute in, no, in feeling that there will at best be a spring season and my gut tells me there will not be college football until fall of next year. I mean, I think – the, it's interesting because we, we're what's not being talked about is the reality that we could just have some football. The reality yeah. that there are conferences that, that could play while everybody else sits it out. That's what I'm trying to say is like it, play six games, play seven games. If build in extra weeks, if Tennessee, if, a, if a, the, the virus hits the Tennessee football team, Guess what, Alabama? You get an extra bye week. Sorry, Tennessee. You're only playing five games this year instead of six. Like, there's no perfect scenario. There's no normal. There. I mean, it's just kind of have to take it as it comes. And I feel like we've already moved past that. We're already to the, well, we're not going to play non-conference games. And then all of a sudden it's, well, we can't play two now we're down to like six conference games and then it's going to be nope, let's just move it to the spring and hope that it works instead of going, Hey, sorry, Florida Gators. Gainesville is a disaster right now. We're not sending South Carolina down there to play you. So until you guys get your stuff in order, your season's on hold and we'll figure out an opponent for South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, in the perfect world, that that's how it happens. This is, and and this takes me back to the fear I've had in the American Conference for a long time now. I don't see any way that the American Conference is going to have teams that can play. Maybe At least you as, see, UC and Memphis will just play eight times. Well, I mean, Hamilton County's not exactly in a great spot right now. Eh, well. <laughs> It's not it, it, it's not as good as it looked four weeks ago. So, I mean, it's in a better spot than, than obviously Houston and Dallas and Orlando and Tampa and New Orleans and Philadelphia <laughs> and uh, Tulsa. And, uh, I'm sure Tulsa's fine. East, Tulsa, East Carolina. Tulsa's not fine. <laughs> Tulsa's been surging up for for a month. Well, I mean, I guess I look at I don't know. This is not the podcast for 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 my rants on on that, but um, 
but anyhow, before you keep trying to distract us with your political views, Dave. <laughs> it takes us back to the very, very first thing we said, which was presidents are risk averse. And in right. order to right. do this, you're going to have to take, whether it's now, whether it's in the spring, maybe whether it's in the fall, you're going to have to take on some level of risk. What is that level is the question. Because no matter what we do, everybody can wear six masks on their face. We're not all of a sudden going to go from whatever we're at to nothing. Right. And a vaccine isn't going to just all of a sudden appear. And people are just, aren't just going to all of a sudden go back and start staying in their houses all day and night. So what is – and it's different for everybody. The SEC and the Big 12 – might say, we feel like our level of risk is this, but the American, like you said, that's in majority of metropolitan areas and everybody has to take a flight to get to to the games, they might say, well, our risk level is different. And But there's going to have to be a point where you can't just keep saying, well, we'll give it three more weeks, we'll give it a month more. Like You have to eventually say, okay, we're going to do this knowing that there is risk, but we feel comfortable in this level of risk. And if it goes above that, we will stop it. Yeah. I think it's really hard. Once you, once you let that cat out of the bag, I think it's difficult to, to put it back in at this point. Um, well, I don't think you do it for the whole sport or for the whole league, but if a if a team like, you don't think that Major League Baseball is going to have an instance where one team all of a sudden gets like five or six guys that test positive? Yeah. And they just go, sorry, your your team is not going to play for the next five days or whatever it is. How many of those guys are asymptomatic? Okay, X number. Okay, well, then they can play in three days, but the other guys have to – like, it's – you're going to have to eventually kind of just roll with it and take on – what comes at you and not be like, okay, we're starting now and we're going to go to this from the starting point to the finish point and whatever happens in the middle, we're either going to not do anything or we're going to totally shut it down. Like, I don't think that can happen. Right. But I think what I would say there is we've already seen these conference commissioners and presidents and whatever be very reactionary. So if, something happens in what let's say the ACC they're all going to react to what happened in the ACC and not treat it as if we're just going to deal with what happens in the big 10 right that I mean that's to me that's the wrong way to do it but if but that's how that's how they that's how they work that's how they operate I mean I don't I don't know how if there's an if there's an outbreak at Penn State that shuts down their team for a little bit, why that would change? Why that would keep the Big Twelve from playing games? If there's an outbreak at Penn State and somebody ends up in the hospital, it's going to change what happens everywhere. Rudy Gobert changed the world. Well, that's because we had no idea what was going on. Four months ago. Like if, if my neighbor 
goes to the hospital for COVID, that's not going to keep me from going to the grocery store or doing what I need to do. I mean, it depends on how close contact you've been with your neighbor. Well, how close contact would Oklahoma State be to Penn State? I mean, if you haven't seen your neighbor for 10 days, fine. If you've been hanging out with your neighbor every (laughs) other day, I'd probably keep your ass home from the grocery store for a couple days. That would be common sense, right? Well, yeah, but those two programs wouldn't ever be within 500 miles of each other. Unless, like, and this is this is where, it, you know, it gets foggy. Unless, what happens if you had officials work one game? Well, that's, that, I mean, that's, these are all the questions that these guys are getting paid six and seven figures to figure out. And we're just sitting here on a podcast trying to make sense of it all. I mean, believe me, I'm not... I'm not saying that there isn't hard decisions to be made, but I mean, if, if you're looking at it, the health and safety of your athletes, coaches should always be first and foremost, but. Well, if that, but that's where it stops. If the health and but, safety of the athletes is first and foremost, then we wouldn't be playing the charade. There'd be no football in the fall. But as Jamie Pollard done. said, the AD of Iowa State, you also have to take into account the finances of it because thousands of people will lose their jobs if there's no football in the fall. It's the, I mean, there's no other way to get around that. It's, that's, that will happen. Thousands of people in athletic departments will be out of a job. So how many college kids are we okay with being the trade-off? I don't think there's necessarily a number. It's the thing I said about risk. Like, what is your level of risk that you're willing to accept? If it's zero risk, then we're never playing sports again until we have proven that this vaccine works and we have it in enough quantities to where if a, if a player on any level, whether it's a five-year-old not-whole baseball player or a professional gets COVID, then we can give them the vaccine and they're cured in whatever, three days or whatever. If your risk is zero, then we can't do any – if your risk level is zero, then we can't do anything ever again until that happens. Right. I'm just saying it's the fine line that, that, that they're trying to walk where they say the, the thing that matters most is the health and safety well, of the Well, but their athletes. risk level can't be zero because if, your risk, if their risk level is zero, then they're acknowledging that I'm going to have to cut these many people, save this amount of money – to make up for the fact that my risk level is zero. So where is it? Because it's, my it can't point, be zero. Well, because my point they'll, being. They'll be out of a job because yeah, they my, have not well, brought my, in any revenue to their university. My point being, then don't lie and tell us it's about this, the, you know, the number one thing, the most important thing is the well, safety I think, of some people aren't. I think some people are being honest about it. And, and you can say both, in my opinion. Like, you can say it, the number one thing, but you're, but they're also running a business as much as they will tell us that they're not because they're net, they have to be net zero every year. But let's be honest. I mean, a university is a business. You're charging people to go to school there and you're paying people to work there. It's a business. Yeah. So you either say, I think you can say both. You can say that, the health and safety is paramount. But, there but can't in be order a but. to keep the but. university open, we have to take on some level of risk. 
so that's that's similar to saying you know the the health and safety of the the students that enroll in this university is paramount but we're a business so we're going to risk some of them so we can make our money to stay open yeah i think i think that's rather hypocritical you you can't be both if if safety is your paramount factor then you can't be a business then just well, then just get rid of your sports programs then they're non-for-profit organizations dave okay. <laughs> sure they are yeah they're, they're, they're non-for-profit organizations that run it that purposely run at a loss to, yeah. to, to keep their status. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, I mean, we're saying, we're saying the same thing. I, I just, know. Like, you can't do both, but you can, I guess. Is <laughs> Carry the two. Carry, yep, multiply by four. Yeah, I, my math's not adding up. <laughs> I, I, I get your point. Like, the, the bills have to be paid. Right. So, in order for the bills to be paid, the games need to be played. But you're walking a real fine line. And, and where are we in October when somebody dies? Then it might not be a player. I know everybody's going to oh. jump on me and say that those in that age group no. uh, are not at risk. Although you can't, I, I, you can't look at it that way. I mean, any you have to. No, I'm saying you can't look at it as like the, they're not at risk. Like you have to look at it as it doesn't matter. It's if anybody, right. if we could have avoided, you know, if we just said let's just, you know, if the alternative was playing this, try to play in the spring, and we said no, we're going to try now, and something happens, you're, you know, you're going to, whatever happens at that point is what's going to happen. I mean, there's not, you're not going to be able to probably you know, talk, necessarily talk your way out of it. Um, but uh, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, then, then you're, then you're playing the zero risk game or until you feel like your zero risk can be, I don't know, kind of medicated so to speak, in the time. Like, I guess it's one thing to have zero risk now when we don't 100% know what medications work and there's no vaccine versus saying zero risk in a year if those things do exist at that time. Right. There's a better understanding of zero risk when you're, when the science has caught up to sure. the situation. Right now, we I mean, don't have that. It's a it, the nuts and bolts of it is it's a bad situation all the way around. Um, you're you're not going to no matter what you decide. There's going to be things that are not you. Whatever they decide, there's going to be things that probably eat at them. As like this is this is awful. If this happens, we're screwed or whatever. Um, but that's. Well, well what was your take on what Orgeron said today? Did you see it? I didn't. What did What did my guy, Coach O, say? I mean, I'm sure it was something like, we, we need to play football because if 
football's in our blood, and we're going to take care of these boys, and we got a national championship to defend. Um, here, here is – we need to play. The state needs it. This country needs it. He said this in front of Mike Pence. Um, the coronavirus can be handled. I don't think we, we are at that point we're yet. We're not really showing that. Although, I will, I will say to that point, I think the coronavirus can be handled by these kids and their coaches and the medical staff. It's the idiot people running around all over the place that have not done a good job of handling it. Correct. He also says, I don't think we can take, away, take this away from our players, take this away from our state and our country. Here's the kicker. We need football. Football is the lifeblood of our country. Mm, I mean, that's... It's going a, a couple steps over the, the well, line. Well, I mean, that's, that's very Coach O. I think yeah. you, you, you read that or listen to that, and if you are a... We need football. Football is the lifeblood of our country. If, if you're a, you know, I don't want to use the term normal, but if you kind of understand where he's coming from, but also know that that's just the way he probably thinks and if you had a, a real conversation he probably wouldn't necessarily <laughs> yes he would yes that he much would importance on it he might but yes he would <laughs> um, that's all that guy like that guy like eats literally like eats football but p- part of me doesn't disagree with him in the sense of like i'm sorry like i am done with all the negativity and I'm just done with all of all of this crap. And I just like I've been more into golf right now than ever in my life. And I'm a huge golf fan because they're playing and that's three hours or whatever where I don't ever hear about it. I don't and everything's bit seems to be going fine. And people do need it. Like you and I are listeners. Like don't be I can't be naive enough to be like, my mood is much better when I know there's a UC football game in a couple of days. Like, Unless it was year three and four of the Tommy Tuberville era. Chad, I would take that right now. <laughs> you would take – if you knew how it was going to play out, you would watch UC, USF. If I knew the next time I could, could watch a college football game wasn't until next September, I would absolutely take – some whatever that is was right now i turned that game off at halftime and i had to write about it afterwards <laughs> oh, i'm not saying i would enjoy it uh, <coughs> oh. <coughs> what was the bowl game san diego what? state oh the hawaii bowl i thought you made yeah. when he was his initial one when he was there in the leather leather suede jacket the 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 bolcation. He's very yeah. big on bolcations. Yeah. Congrats to Tubbs. He's he's gonna be. I mean, perfect job for him though. He gets to golf. Oh. Yeah. He gets to so, he gets to let other people do the do work for him. Like, do we have any? Do we have any other points? Do we, have, want to do we make? have questions? No, I've we got do. Them out. We do have some questions. That's what I was getting to. All right. Uh, we we asked the Twitter folks. Are they, they all related were... to what we've talked about for 45 minutes? No. Because if they um, are, I'll talk about food again. Let's see. One, one question, and I, I think we probably both feel the same way on this. Why is it crickets on a deal for Luke Fickle? Should we be concerned? I would say no. 
it's not it should, we should not be concerned the university has met, has furloughed people they're laying people off it would be it's an a inc- terrible look if you it give- would be in in incredible bad form to announce a contract extension right now um, terrible terrible the worst I, was start- I mean i was starting to get a little not i don't know if worried was the word but like we had heard in december how this was close and they've been talking and then he turns down michigan state and then in February, there's still nothing on around signing day. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, what's going on? But then once this all started in mid-March, there was no way a school at UC's level in the hierarchy of things where we know they're furloughing people, we know they're laying people they're off. They're cutting coaches' salaries. They, t- they got rid of a sport. Yeah. So they you were can't, not going- you can't. You can't give Luke Fickle a raise and then cut his salary at the same time. Right. That's 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 not how it works. Um, what else you got? A lot of them are obvious. You know, obviously, yeah, I mean, everybody wants to know. Them are COVID related. Um, Hopefully, we covered all that. Okay. Here's here's one. If the season is canceled, I guess this means I don't know. Through spring. The answer is who, I don't know. <laughs> who do you think won't be suiting up for the Cats in 2021 um, going pro? If there's no season, everybody would get an extra year of eligibility, but that doesn't mean that a senior who's come already, back. you know, 23 or 24 years old would come back. I don't see I, – I don't, I don't think James Smith would be back. Probably not. I, I was already surprised that he came back anyway. Same here. Um, I can't imagine James Wiggins would be back as long as he's healthy. That one, I that kind that one though kind of is on the the point I made earlier about needing a season of film. It's very it would be very hard for me as an NFL GM to draft a guy who hasn't played in two years and is coming off of knee surgery. Yeah, until he goes to the combine and runs a four three six. Combine means. Yeah, but you they, they, you're not like NFL scouts love that shit. Like, sorry, Dan. but like I know it's it's your vision, but their vision is if he comes in and crushes the combine and is the absolute freak that he is, I think he would get away with with not having well, he a would final get, season on. He team. would get drafted, but the problem for him is there, there's no value at safety. Nobody values safety. Sure. So there's he's not gonna there's not gonna be a wild swing of um, up or down for him I don't think. No. Um, Do you know if I, UC I would, is making or plans to make any calls for a possible Nebraska replacement? No. Right now I don't think that. I, what? No. No. Right now, you're staring down the reality of the, there's a good chance we don't have a season. So, if, I, the, I, se- if no. the season is canceled, how big of a hole would that put the UC athletic department in financially? How long would it take to recover? How big of a hole do you consider the Grand Canyon? Uh, deeper. But that was the starting point. Yeah, that was the starting point. Uh, how I, long would it I don't want to take like some doomsday scenario but like if there's no if there's no football well until I got an next, interesting take next I got an interesting fall, take. Well, 
But if there's no football until next fall. It wouldn't stun me to see teams on schools at the lower level of the G5, like eliminate sports all the way down to whatever the bare minimum is to stay at the division one level. You know what that number is? What do you think that number is right I now? I thought it was 12. No. No? Six, 16. That high? Really? Yeah. Then, then I might say that it wouldn't surprise me to see teams jump down from the Division One level, even though it's as many people have written about with with UConn, it's it's not a better play financially to go FCS. But I don't. Some of them might not have a choice. Yeah. It's, it's either keep an athletic department. And go FCS or not. Here's an interesting thought. As you see in a, you know, there, there's been a lot of talk about the subsidies, right? The, the, how much the, the student body has to pay those, those fees to athletics that subsidize right. the athletic department. They're still going to get that, right? I have no idea. I mean, I would assume they would. So wouldn't that almost keep the athletic department afloat? I mean, I would assume that if it's me, I'm asking for more. Yeah, but I'm saying just at at the at the at the core, that's already there, right? Like that's already written in for the athletic department. Why would it go away because there were no sports? Right. What were you gonna if if we if we are not a business if we can't show a profit? If you don't give it to them, what are you using that money for then? Right. Where's that going? That's that's an interesting point. You can't, that just, I, you can't just keep it in your savings account. I need to look into that. I, I don't know why that thought hasn't crossed my mind before. Because I think that's a pretty important important point, don't you? Yes. And then how what much what, that was like it was like thirty, twenty, thirty million dollars, wasn't it? Something like that, I believe. I mean, what happens if you're a school that is not getting that money on a regular basis, and that's, now the that's captains, my point. Well, you're and not. You're, they don't have money to give you because of this. So, like the P five is not being subsidized, right? Because they they're making fifty six, forty, fifty, sixty million dollars off of their TV deals, and sure. they're selling out hundred thousand seat stadiums. So they're not getting subsidized by by the school. No, they're solvent on their own. Most of them, Rutgers Most is not. Rutgers right. is getting probably the most subsidy of any college in the country. So in a sense, that's that's really UC's TV deal, right? In terms of keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. That's I mean that's what's, of, that's, that's what's allowing them deal. that's what's allowing them to Yeah, keep do keep doing what they're doing while they try to get in a position to hopefully cash in on success and then that money goes back into the general pool because now they don't miss quote unquote need it. I'm, you know what? You know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to pause this co- co- podcast and I'm going to get an answer on this. Cause I think this is important. So hold on one sec. All right. I got an answer. I was, I was pretty right. Yeah. 
the the subsidy from the university hit already July first. Oh, okay. Is that their fiscal so that, year, July first? Yeah. So that's already that's already come in. So yeah, it's not it like been off, it would have been off of last year's. Correct. You now can't, you can't pay something a year ahead, not knowing exactly what the breakdown is going to be based right. on students and whatever else goes into it. Now, I guess the what what the state sends went down some. I would guess. I mean, I I don't know how enrollment's going to work with all this. Right. Um. I like it. Sounds like whatever it was, I, I didn't get the exact numbers in the phone call I made, but I, I was told that money came in on July first. So I don't think it's necessarily as nightmarish when you factor that in. Still bad, right? Because if you're not playing football, you're not you're not no. generating the revenue. Every everybody is taking is a taking back. a bath. Yeah, it's just a matter of how much hair are you shaving off. I mean, I do think it's nice that you know we've been rambling for like seventy minutes now, and we finally produced relevant content on this podcast. No, we started with relevant content. Yeah, the food. Um, you got anything else? You got any more? Um, questions. I don't know. I mean, user questions, member oh, questions. I know. I think That's, we were do- we were doing member questions of ones that we focus. either focus of ones that we either basically already answered. Um. Or this one is a, I don't know if we can, how will the freshman class do this year? Is it more of a red shirt and work with Brady Collinger? I mean, who the hell knows? Who knows? I mean, they're on campus. They're here. Yeah. They're, they're they're working out. Yeah. Um, So I don't, I don't think that nothing on that. They, they got a little bit of a late, later start than normal about what three weeks later than normal uh, of a start, but that was just strength and conditioning stuff. So I don't know that that they're really set back yet. Um, who knows? I don't know on that one yet. A lot of, a lot of these we couldn't possibly even answer. Um, or I shouldn't say a lot. Some of them we've covered what we, I think you and I are, I've been crystal clear about what I would rather do. Um, I think everyone would rather play in the fall, but what we'd rather do has gone long out the window, I think. But that is the gist of the questions that we received. Yeah. Um. I, it, it doesn't. It doesn't feel great. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't. I mean, I, so yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't. It's, I, I mean, I, I mean, think it's, it's it's sounding like certain conferences might be working together on somewhat. I guess you would call it an alliance. Like to have like showcase games and to whatever. try to keep to try to keep the damn games that make sense if you're gonna play them to have them right like if you're gonna go to a conference only schedule and go from eight to ten games and you're gonna add games why 
in what world does it make sense to add – I'm going to use South Carolina again as a reference point – to add a South Carolina-Texas A&M game instead of just playing the Clemson-South Carolina game that you always play and you're an hour apart from each other? Right. Absurd. And you it's have all absurd. Conferences, it's all absurd. You have conferences that are likely doing very similar testing protocols so there's not some big worry about, well – if we bring this FCS team in, they're only probably testing, if, if at all, once a week maybe because they just can't afford to. Um, and that's the other thing. Testing's – like, that's what people don't aren't talking about. Testing's not cheap. Like, Oh, no. You're testing 100 kids two times Tulane a week? Is, Tulane is spending roughly $100,000 a week on testing to test twice a week. That adds up quick for athletic departments that are in trouble right now. Well, yeah. I mean, just look at 10 weeks, a 10-week, just the season, a 10-week season. Say you played eight games and you built in a bye week and a, a buffer week in case something happened, there's a million bucks. Yep. Without without anything else happening. Right. That's and, just the season. They've been yeah. doing this since since June or the very beginning of yeah. July. You got six more weeks. That's another, you know, that's a million bucks for the off season. Right. And a million bucks for their season. Two million dollars. That is more than a quarter of your television deal in the AAC. Yeah. That's not great. I don't feel good about having football in the fall. I'm interested to see 3.30 Friday. Luke Fickle joins me on ESPN 1530. I'm interested to see where his his brain's at. That's why I said I'm, I'm like I've already accepted that we're not having a season in the fall. So uh, I'm not going to get mad about anything because I can't. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't either. I know that I know a lot of head college basketball coaches are planning right now to not to at best start in January. That's the thought in the college basketball world. I guess we that's for se- separate podcasts. I don't really understand why that would be the thought now, but. Well, the thought being if football's canceled, then they're going to cancel all fall sports and nothing will start until the start of the second semester. Yeah. That's the, that's the thought. If football goes away, they're not going to let basketball start in October, Dave. Well, no, no, I'm not saying October, but. Well, but that's when basketball has to start. The games start the beginning of November. Yeah. So if they're punting football, we're not getting basketball until January 1st. Oh. <laughs> it's depressing. It's very depressing. Yeah. So I'm glad I like golf. Well, enjoy the golf. Hopefully baseball will be back this time next week. Yeah. It seems like they're on, on pace for that. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not a baseball fan, but I don't want – I know there obviously are fans, and I don't want them to not be able to – yeah, if it brings anybody some joy right now, I'm all for it. Like, so, except UConn fans, I am laughing my ass off that their whole big non-conference schedule and or whatever P5 schedule <laughs> that they all gloated about for months and months after they were going to leave the conference now is, is just falling apart like a house of cards. Sorry, sorry for that one, fellas. Right. All right. Well, let us know if you enjoyed the first the food portion of the the podcast. 
for the uh, psychopaths that are still here uh, 80 minutes after the start of this thing. And maybe we'll, uh, we'll work on bringing you Chad and Dave's, the, uh, the two Husky guys, uh, food podcast every couple weeks. I think it would be a hit. I think it would, too. And it would include, the first episode would include your review of the delicious 50 West Burger Bar. We, we eat a lot of food. We watch a lot of television shows about food. We've been to a lot of restaurants we have. all over the place. Yeah. I mean, who let us know, people. Who wouldn't want to listen to that? And I frankly I mean, would rather talk about that than the crap we just talked about for 45 minutes because now I'm going to jump off my roof. Well, don't do that. And enjoy the 50 West Burger Bar on Friday. Next Friday. Next Friday. Oh. Next Friday. Well, I'm expecting a full review. I've got Kelsey's. 10th birthday to deal with next like, week. I gave you the I gave you the the 411 on the City Bird chicken fingers. I was, I was pretty spot on in my review of that. Yeah, that I thought you were you were dead on. They were a little small, but they tasted good. Um a lot the of fries. it doesn't matter. The fries were excellent. You know what I did? I cheated though. I heard I saw you went home and put them in the oven for a little while. Like just like 5 5 to 7 minutes just to yeah. uh re- refresh um, that 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 out of the fryer feeling you get from the restaurant, and that yeah, made it those, delightful. I think it worked those really things well. Were, those things were money. The the fries were awesome, awesome. <laughs> Plus, as you said, excuse me, I could bathe in the the hot. Uh, honey. It's, I mean. It's just honey with hot sauce in it, but it's still so damn good. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> All right, that, that makes you want to go to the makes you want to go to the Eagle now. I haven't been there in a while. Yeah, I haven't really been anywhere in a while except for yesterday at, <laughs> at Naughty Pine. But that wraps it up. What a hell of a journey that was! If you've made it this long, you really are a lunatic. But, I mean, if you made it this long, you did stay for the only relevant portion of this podcast, me getting some information and uh, sharing something that hasn't really been touched on or talked about. So, congratulations to you. Um, we've been doing this about every two weeks. I think we'll probably stay on that uh, path unless definitive decisions are made uh, that, which, that, that require in, us to talk about, which are coming. In two weeks, that's when they're going to be made. More yeah. than likely, because if you, if you, if no one's if certain t- leagues haven't done that yet, they're not going to all of a sudden do it. I don't think they're going to wait until the end of the month. Yeah, I would say either next week or the final week of July. Like we're gonna we're gonna figure out what the hell's going on. So we'll see you then. Hopefully, bringing good news, but I'm not optimistic. Dave, thanks as always. Ah, oh, pleasure. he's Dave Simone I'm Chad Brendel this is the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on bearcatjournal.com